Welcome to Cold Case MHS, Wrong Time, Wrong Place Mistakes. I'm your host, Randy Hubbard, an instructor of Cold Case MHS. And I'm your co-host, Ashton Gigliotti, and we thank you for listening. As we all know, life sometimes just doesn't seem fair. You put your time in working hard to pay bills, put food on the table, or just provide for yourself or your family. Times get hard. For some, it gets desperate, and that desperation can cause people to do things that they never thought they would do. The hopelessness often overcomes them, and they resort to ways to try to escape it, even for just a short period of time. That need to feel something often turns to illegal drugs and prostitution. Now they have opened a whole new world of heartache and pain, and that world keeps getting deeper and more dark as they fall. For Buffy Joe Friedman, the darkness that set in and getting out would be impossible. As Buffy fought her own demons, a true demon preyed on her in a really bad night in the park. Welcome to Cold Case MHS. We're glad you came back. Today we've got a group here that's going to talk about a case out of Springfield, Ohio. But first thing, how about those Bengals? Who day? Who day? Okay, I know that seemed really out of place, but that tells you a little bit about how slow I am at editing these podcasts. We recorded that episode right before the Bengals made their historical run to the Super Bowl. And wow, what a ride that was. That was the boost Cincinnati really needed. But let's get back to the show. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves. I'm Nikhil. I'm a senior in high school. I'm Matt. I'm also a senior. Xavier, also a high school senior. When you heard about a cold case class, what did you think the purpose of this class was going to be? I felt like the purpose was to get the skills needed to research the cold case, not necessarily solve a cold case. So I did forensics online last year, so I thought it would build upon like foundational skills and learning more about forensic sciences. But when I came into this class, I was pleasantly surprised. We got to like actually work with cold cases and help further research them. When I first came into cold case, I thought that I was going to be able to solve a case. But through being in the class, I realized that it's more about just looking into cases that have gone cold that nobody's working on and see if there's any uh, new information we can bring out to the police and hopefully that can help them out. Maybe they can reopen the case or somebody will speak up. The purpose of the class is more for the families and researching and building communication skills that will help you in the future. Purpose. I think by human nature we all want to feel a sense of purpose or meaning. And that was kind of the goal of this class. I wanted students to feel what it was like to give back. By researching and digging deep into these cases, we hope that we can at least give the families and friends the comfort that their loved ones are not forgotten. Even though we don't personally know these victims or their families, we try to research them as we do. Sometimes that alone can warm their hearts a bit, knowing someone still cares. It's a cold case. It's a cold, cold case. That's kind of where I was going with the next one is when you came into this class, a lot of us believe that we're going to solve cases, and unfortunately, they're cold for a reason. 
But there are a lot of things that you can use a cold case to teach you some skills along the way. What are some of those skills that you've learned in this class that you think can benefit you and benefit, like you said, the families? I think for me it was critical thinking skills and communication skills. And we got to work with professionals, which just builds that experience of later in life if you have to do that. This work that we did had like a sense of professionalism. We worked with local police departments. We sent out actual FOIA requests to receive public records and we thankfully built relationships with the local department and hopefully they can help students in the future. I'd say collaboration skills, having to work with my group and work with actual like authorities. Really it'll benefit me in the future just because I want to go into the world of forensic science. I think this class, it was just great to get some experience. Now I know this seems strange to some people that we use cold cases to teach these types of skills, but to me it actually makes perfect sense to find something good out of a tragedy. What a way to honor those victims by teaching life skills and lessons through their story. Let's get into your case just a little bit here. One of the things that we learned in the regular forensic science class was victimology. If you could, tell the listeners a little bit about what victimology is, how it's used, and then kind of lead us into your case. So victimology, it's the analysis of somebody's actions or traits uh, that could have contributed to them being at a greater risk. And so for our case, the victim is Buffy Jo Freeman. For her victimology, uh, she was involved in soliciting and drug use. She was also involved with some sketchy people. She's 150 pounds, which could put her at a disadvantage for someone larger to take advantage of her. Like you said, Archie was 29 and like 5'8", 150 pounds, and she was involved in some of those dangerous activities that could have put her at a higher potential risk. She was found dead July 11, 2007. With Buffy Joe's case, first thing, it's in Springfield, Ohio. And for those of you that are not familiar with Springfield. It's a town, fairly small town, just north of Dayton, in between Dayton and Columbus, Ohio. It's home to Wittenberg Tigers. It is also, like most college towns, you have a side of the town that everybody tells you that is okay to be in, and then you always have a side of the town that's probably not a good part of town. I think that happens in a lot of towns, especially college towns. Who knows what the reason for that is. But unfortunately, in this particular case, I think that Buffy Joe's background the people she was hanging with probably led to being in a high-risk situation. When we talked about victimology, that doesn't mean that this person caused their own death. It just means that they may have put themselves in the wrong place or the wrong time. That's what victimology is. So if you could tell us a little bit more about Buffy Joe, some of the things you did along the way, what were the steps that you took to gain information about her case and what you would like the listeners to know about her case. So we started with like a deep dive of like any sort of mention of her name in newspapers and we got some good information such as family members, where her body was found, and as well as a possible suspect's name. And thankfully we were able to further research these people using a clerk of courts and thankfully Clark County's was really well set up where you could just type in a name and get a full history of anything that was related. Also, we contacted a lot of police departments, sheriff's office, prosecutor's office, coroner's office, even contacted the National Trail, which is the park, to see if we could get any records of when she was found in that park, if anyone was nearby and was working the park at that time who could have seen anybody come in or out of the park. And then we also tried reaching out to her sister, Amanda Roth, and hoped we could leave a message. Never got an answer back from her. And then we emailed two reporters on two newspapers they wrote. One reporter said that he had given all the information he had in the article 
and the other led to an email address that was discontinued. So as you were looking into this case, one, what drew you to Buffy Joe's case? And in the case, there were a couple things that seemed unusual about her case. When we looked up her name in newspapers, we found this article saying that the suspect in question had multiple charges against him, such as killing, assault, battery, and uh, sexual assault. And we just thought it was interesting as we kept reading about him how he did the same thing to multiple people across multiple states. You pointed out interesting things. One news report said that the body was ran over by a police officer during a routine check of the park at night. Turned out to maybe not be true because different information from different sources. We got an incident report from the police. We submitted a FOIA request to the police department and they gave us a portion of it. And then one interesting thing that we found was that there was a lot of contradictory information. One of the articles, like Matt said, um, they said that Buffy Joe's body was ran over, but that was never mentioned in the incident report. Um, we tried to contact the writer of that article, but it led to a discontinued email. Contradictory information, that was a big thing in this, but there was really no way to verify what's true. That same author also put that the suspect in question went to her family's Christmas party that year that she died. And so unfortunately we have to take that with a grain of salt because that reporter had reported false information and we're not sure their whereabouts currently. Now there is an update on the story about Buffy Joe being run over. We eventually did get the autopsy report and it does appear that she had marks on her from a vehicle. Now we don't know if she was run over by the police officer or by the suspect. The suspect that they are referring to is probably more of a person of interest than a suspect. That man is Prentice R. Hare, and he's not a very nice individual. He's currently serving a life sentence for the murders of Deshaun Lunsford and Tiffany Chambers. We also had a witness tell us that Prentice put his hands around the neck of her 15-year-old daughter. So to say he has violent tendencies is a very big understatement. Prentice knew Buffy, and the big question is why would he show up to her family's home at Christmas uninvited? Now, Tiffany was strangled to death, and Buffy may have been also. The problem with Buffy was all the other injuries, including being run over by a car. Buffy was found naked from the waist down, which indicates sexual assault before death. Deshaun and Tiffany were murdered because they knew too much about Prentice. Was Buffy killed to shut her up? Or was this just a sick act of violence? And unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of cold cases, especially in this situation, her background, things like that. We can talk a little bit about why would this case maybe not get the attention that some of the other cases might. Just based on her background, some cases that are involved with this where there isn't a lot of information, it's just we know they were involved in certain things. There's not a lot of information on it, so it tends to maybe get pushed towards the back. And then as new cases come in every single day, they just get pushed farther and farther back. And then a lot of police departments don't have the funds to actually have a dedicated cold case unit that only researches those cold cases. There are many reasons cases go cold. Many times it's just lack of evidence to move forward. Others just don't seem to have a very clear suspect. And sometimes time is just not on law enforcement's side. Well, one thing I find difficult about researching these cases is that society often is portrayed in the investigation. Now, in no way am I accusing the police department of this because I don't know why Buffy's case went cold. It could be anything. But oftentimes, society minimalizes the death of someone like Buffy Joe because of what their life consists of. Buffy was known to be involved in drugs and prostitution, and many people would say she deserved what was coming to her. No one deserves to die like this. 
We don't know why she was in this lifestyle. Maybe she was desperate and thought this was the only way to survive. I was listening to an episode 129 of Minds of Madness podcast, and they were talking to Shane Waters about the redhead serial killer case. In that case, Shane was speaking to a police officer who stated that the identities of some of the killer's victims will never be found because their deaths would be considered suicide, and the investigation stopped. Now, these cases they were talking about was from the 1980s, but he said they were stopped because these people were considered to be deemed as, quote, throwaway people, unquote. Shane and I discussed this term and both agree that this is not right. Did Buffy's lifestyle affect the investigation of her death? I strongly believe in the work that police do, and I'm just going to say I sure hope this had nothing to do with Buffy's case. Her particular case, especially when you talk about trying to find witnesses, and that was difficult probably in this case. No. So why do you think it was difficult to find witnesses? Well, I mean, it was also like really late at night, 11.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. of that night, and the incident report we had only had one witness written down, and we tried contacting him. We haven't gotten a response. Um, I think one other thing is that the families, of, like the family members of these people, they might want to try and move past this. They've probably already done everything they can. They've talked to countless authorities and they might just want to move past it not go back and do it because it is something that's difficult to talk about so that could be another factor um, another thing is that the people we try to talk to it was many years ago so information kind of gets scattered it people don't really remember as well as they did before so they might not want to talk about it give false information on accident she said about the family members not wanting to talk that also the fact that we're high schoolers could make them be like well if, even if i tell them what are they gonna be able to do about it and so it might make them not want to relive that experience like you said also fear plays a huge role obviously this was a brutal crime and if prentice was involved then I'm sure he stoked the fear in anyone that knew of his involvement. Along the way, obviously, when you look into cold cases, the police already had their own issues. Yeah. But what were some of the things that you guys ran into that were roadblocks along the way? The main thing was the contradictory information or just the coroner never responded. We've sent them multiple emails or just people in general not responding like the family members. Getting information back was our biggest thing. We really couldn't get too much other than public records and the little bit of the incident report that we did receive. There's just been some holdups within like local departments. One of the high-ranking officers of the departments that you're trying to get in touch with passed away, sadly. And so they've been like mourning his death. And I think they're now starting to try and move past that. Here's one of those obstacles we faced during the year, timing. When we recorded this podcast, we had not heard from the coroner's office. But shortly after, they did send us her autopsy report. The autopsy revealed Buffy had experienced serious trauma from sexual assault to blunt force trauma, including the trauma from being run over by a vehicle. Since you ran into these difficulties kind of early in your investigation, we've kind of been touching base with a police officer who's communicated with us a few times, but unfortunately things have happened and he hasn't been able to, to get back with us. Because of that, you've also looked into another case. If you could just briefly tell us about the other case you looked at, what significance that case has to you. Our second case, it's on Angela Hannaway. Um, her body was found in the Mad River, uh, also Springfield, Ohio. Um, she went missing on 6-10-2008. Uh, she was found partially clothed and badly decomposed. The autopsy also said that she died a violent death and she was in the water for some time. She was also a high-risk person because she was also involved in those same behaviors as Buffy Joe with soliciting and drug use. Do you think there's any connection? 
it wasn't mentioned that there could be any connection between them. It just happened to be a very similar incident with a very similar type of person. Pretty sure, not 100% positive. We think the main suspect was already in custody at that time. So we don't know if they're connected via the same person or not, or if they knew each other before, we don't know. These students had a really rough time finding information about Buffy and Angela's cases. Maybe it was because of society's throwaway people mentality, or maybe there just wasn't enough evidence. We did not get to spend much time on Angela's case this year, but we are truly concerned about finding justice for her. Maybe a group of my students can work on her case next year. To close it out, can you tell us a little bit about what you think we can do as a class, as a group of seniors in high school, that we can do to help police departments that have cold cases on their books? Well, like you said, we kind of made a friendly, a friendly relationship with one of the police department sheriffs. Um, he said that he would send us some of his cases that he had, hopefully. He also forwarded our FOIA requests, so hopefully in the future, maybe we can work out a relationship with him and he can help out with the class a little bit. I think that definitely as the cold case class, more time goes on, it'll become more credible. Uh, people will start to recognize us some more. The podcast might help out with that as well, getting more people interested in the class, just pushing it forward a little bit. I think just like building a strong fortification with local departments, like making it very clear to them that anything we do find, we will return back to them. And then again, using that, our relationship with these departments to hopefully talk with potential witnesses or family members and so that they know that their intel is being sent to professionals. The biggest thing is don't come across as if we're just trying to fix their mistakes. Come across as you're trying to use it for educational purposes is a big thing, but you don't want to like, oh, we're here to, we're going to solve this case for you. You don't want to, you know, words like investigate because they already investigated it and they don't want to hear a group of teenagers trying to come investigate it and fix their mistakes. Like the student said, we are here to help. We are in no way trying to say we know more than the police. That would just be ridiculous. The police are professionals and we support all of their efforts. We just know that sometimes resources are limited for the police departments, especially time. We have time and the enthusiasm to help. We can help review cases to make timelines, create interview lists, or anything those departments want us to do. With guidance from those agencies, we can create useful products for their use. Thank you for listening to this episode, A Really Bad Night in the Park. If you have any information about the murder of Buffy Joe Freeman or of Angela Hannaway, please contact the Springfield, Ohio City Police. If you're not comfortable with that, then contact us and we'll make sure to pass on that information. I will leave all the contact information in our show notes. If you want and are able to write a review for this podcast and any of our podcasts, please do so. I want to thank Detective Chris Scholes of the Springfield, Ohio Sheriff's Office. We sent a FOIA request to the wrong department, and this detective took that information and passed it on to the correct people. Not only that, we kind of struck up a friendship with Detective Scholes, and he became a great resource for our class. We also would like to thank the Clark County Coroner's Office for answering our FOIA request and sending us the autopsy report of Buffy Joe Freeman. This information was crucial to our investigation, and it really helped us understand the case. We'd also like to thank the Springfield City Police Department for answering our FOIA request on the cases of Deshaun Lunsford and Tiffany Chambers. Again, this information was crucial to us understanding the situation that Buffy Joe Freeman was put in 
during this case. Much of the music in this podcast comes from Purple Planet Music. The artwork for this podcast was created by former student Emma Holbert. The theme song, Cold Case, was written and performed by former student Jenna Brandt and produced by Noria. This song and all of Jenna's music can be heard on almost all music streaming media. Tune in next time when my co-host Ashlyn will return and we will dive into the strange case of the night the party lights went out on Lisa Buckley. July 7th, 1990, a seemingly fun birthday party turned out to be the last night for Lisa Buckley. Among drinks and laughs, horrible secrets were kept, soon to be found the next morning. Wrong time, wrong place, mistakes. Cold case, now a chase, no breeze. Unsafe is the faith in the faith. It's a cold case. It's a cold, cold case. You're as sick as your secrets in a Feel eyes on